Ah, yes. Hello. How are you? How have you been? What's up? How's it going? What's new? A bunch of throwaway questions to start the episode. Hey, how have you been? What's new? These are the questions that will stump you in the world of small talk, whether it's a neighbor or a coworker or a friend on a phone call. Hey, man, what's new? Why is it so tough to answer that? I think we all need to prep a few answers. Just because society has a lot of small talk coming our way at all times and you can't get stumped. You can't get nervous. Oh, no. He said, have you been fine? Thanks. Nope, that didn't apply. You got it wrong. He said, hey, have you been? Uh, can't complain. You too. Nope, nope. You got it wrong. Hey, Josh, what's new, man? Fine and yours? Nope. You missed. You missed again. You can't get nervous. All the small talk questions, the intro questions, the warm-up questions before you get into a real conversation. Fuck, so hard. So hard. How have you been? How's it going? How's it going is really tough, but what's up is the killer. Hey, what's up? We all say this to each other. What's up? I say it to students. They never know what to say. I don't even know what I'm asking. Hey, Jordan, what's up, man? He just looks at me. What do you need? Uh, what's up to you now? Okay, thanks for this empty greeting experience. But hello, listeners. Episode 195. What's up with you? What's new? How you been? Huh? Good? You're alive. So that's good. Let's start with the bare minimum. I have a question. This is a real question. If you can answer it, great. If not, hey, also great. What are kids' toys nowadays? What are kids' toys? I see what they're advertising to my daughter when she's watching YouTube and it cuts to an ad. She's watching Peppa Pig or Georgia Mary singing a bunch of princess songs and then you get into an ad before the skip ad in five, four, three, two. What my daughter now says, don't skip the ad. I like the ad. And then she'll say, can I have that for my birthday? And I'll say, I don't know what they were advertising. It's just buzzwords. It's just a combination of stimulating things, eye candy, with loud sounds, bells and whistles, to grab the attention of a three to six-year-old. But what, what is it? They got that cutesy music. They know all the right things to say to capture the attention of a kid who doesn't want to skip the ads. We all want to skip the ads on YouTube, but they come in with, Hey, hey, it's Sparkle Fairy, Unicorn, Princess, Dolls, uh, all in one with accessories. And there's just a bunch of big-eyed dolls bouncing around, crazy hair, fluorescent colors. And my daughter looks at me and goes, Can I have one for my birthday? I go, I don't know what we would buy. It's Glitter Kitty, Pat Pat Princess, Baby Penguin Puffs, Glitter Sparkle Babies, Kittens. Nope, I don't know. I don't get it. All new Bubbles, Bubble Unicorn Princess, Rainbow Dance Doll Donut, Candy Cane, Sparkle Glitter, all accessories included. Daddy, could I get that for my birthday? And I just do the throwaway, okay. You know, parents get tired. At the end of the day, we just start going with our default mode answers okay sure sounds good but my wife she doesn't just give the throwaway answer she actually realizes that our daughter now listens and remembers so i can't just say sure okay because my daughter's probably listening to this and going 
okay, I'll get that for my birthday. My dad said I could get that for my birthday. I could get that for my birthday. Every ad, I think I go, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, okay, as I'm just scrolling through my dumb phone. Yeah, okay. She's just vectored into the screen. The ad says, glow in the dark, fairy kitty, sparkle glitter, unicorns princess in fluorescent colors too with bubble gum, bubble gum scented bubbles. And I go, oh, what are they advertising? It's glitter in a sparkle ball with cat ears. What's happening? What is it? Can I have that for my birthday? Okay. Just knowing what they're into at this age and capitalizing on it for their little minds to just go, whoa, oh God, yes. All the things I like at once. I like unicorns and fairies and princesses and glitter and that whole thing. It's not an item. It doesn't look like an item. It's just a lot of colors on my screen. Overstimulate, brightest colors I've ever seen. Lightning bolts and buzzwords, silly voices, loud music, and repeat and repeat and repeat. They actually make a kid say, don't skip the ads because the ads might even be better than the Peppa Pig episode, but nothing's better than the Peppa Pig episode because the dad is an expert. Puff Glamour Cookie Sparkle Bake Set with Unicorn Princesses and Bubbles and Gum and Kittens and Kittens and Kittens, Princess Kittens. More buzzwords. Dad, can I have that for my birthday? Um, No, because it doesn't exist. These ads are not real things. LOL dolls. The LOL dolls, all the accessories. Too many accessories. And you know what, you know what the accessories are? Choking hazards. We got a baby in the house, okay? I'll be that dad. We can't have that. Those are choking. Everything's a choking hazard. It's not just LOL dolls, accessories. Everything's a choking hazard. I actually put a bowl of Cheerios on the ground for my baby recently next to a little bottle of water. I officially have a hamster. Yeah, human baby, but sometimes you just got to throw snacks on the ground and say, go for it. I got to go back to my dumb phone. I got to go to my dumb phone. So let me just litter my own floor with snacks, kids. Go ahead. Aren't there choking hazards? Probably. Probably. But it's time. There comes an age. I think I've arrived. As a dad, there comes an age where they actually remember. Oh, they're going to remember this stuff. I mean, soon it might be time to stop ripping loud farts in front of them. When they're like two and three, just do it, and then the day continues. But you can't really continue doing that as they get older, because then they'll go, what? what? Do we do that in society? And you, you go, no, we don't do this, and we don't do that either. I guess I got to stop being so gross. Okay, let's model appropriate behavior. We can do it. We can do it. Yeah. You want to know who the most insecure people were in the history of the world? Any of these great leaders who were named the great. In history, there are historical figures that we just say, oh yeah, Peter the Great. Oh yeah, Alexander the Great. Catherine the Great. Justinian the Great. What are we saying? We're actually still saying this? Oh yeah, that's what they called themselves back then, the Great. It wasn't ironic. They didn't think they were conceited. It was just they were in a time before Instagram. Those are the same personalities nowadays that would just be putting a lot of filtered photos of themselves up online and saying, look at me. Look at me. Aren't I great? But back then, what could you do? I don't know. Just label yourself the great. What are you great at? Well, I could go to the top of a hill and say, follow me. Okay, that's pretty great. What else can you do? Well, I could march into a valley and say, conquer them. Wow, that is great. 
All right, Alex the Great. Who coined the nickname? I thought of it myself. You smug son of a bitch. The Great. What's your last name? Richards. Go with that. Go with that. Enough with the great. You can't coin your own nickname. These are thirsty people. And we still honor them in society? We still allow teachers to teach about these figures? Calling them the great? The great? You know these great leaders had to be kicking it with their friends and float the idea out there. Catherine wanted to be called the great. She's like, what do you guys think? Like, Catherine, no, Catherine, no. She's like, come on. Just try it. Just try it for a week. Catherine the Great. Just try it. Ugh, fine, fine. They all turn away and go, that bitch. Justinian. Justinian marches to the center of his village with a torch. He goes, everyone, gather, gather, gather. And they said, yes, Emperor Justinian, what? What is it? And he goes, from here on out. How about I'm the great? And they go, ugh, that's what you called us over for? And little did they know we would still do it in classrooms, in history books, in primary sources, in documentaries, where everybody talks in the same voice. I know I've talked about this before, but it's so lazy. It's so lazy. These historical fiction movies where everyone who's from an ancient time must talk in a voice like this. Doesn't matter if it's Germany, Portugal, Spain, England, France. This is the voice actors must do. Could be anywhere from China to Russia, and this is the voice. If it's an HBO show with old-timey costumes and a lot of armor and castles, then all actors will just go with this voice. Yes, indeed, I'm Joshua the Great. Really, because that accent's a little off for Finland. Okay, I'm... Joshua the Great. Where am I from? Um, I don't know, Macedonia? Can you do a Macedonian accent? Yes, isn't it like this because it's old-timey? Uh, just go with it. And roll. And action. And cut. Same old shit reheated, but people love it. I do have to admit, I'm not judging, but I don't understand any of the appeal of Game of Thrones. That would be torture for me to watch three minutes of it, but the way people clamor towards these shows... I mean, these are the shows that have the biggest box office numbers. I mean, these generate so much revenue. Old-timey movies, people with swords, slaying dragons. This is what America wants. America wants a total escape from this bullshit. I guess I get that. If you like fantasy, you like the level of sci-fi fantasy that just brings you totally away from this shit, I get it. I'm not wired that way. I'll get excited about the based on the true story movies. I just saw Elvis. I just watched Elvis for the last 16 days. Anybody else watching movies in increments? Yeah, we'll try to get through the first 20, 25 minutes. Yeah, maybe slam through the first hour over the weekend. And then by Monday, maybe Tuesday, we'll see some credits. This is the new movie experience. There's no more isolate myself in a theater. I haven't been to a movie theater in years. I haven't been to a movie theater probably in five years. That's a weird comment, but I think that's true. Why would I? Why would I? HBO, Hulu, Netflix, got a nice high-def flat screen. It's not 4K, but maybe one day we'll spend the big bucks. And movies come to me. Elvis already came to me. 
Elvis was just in the theater. I knew it would come to me soon. Elvis came to me, and I realized, I had the realization, I don't know much about the king. And we all know the name Elvis Presley. We all know Elvis. But even before I saw the movie, I figured that name, that history, those songs we all know, he's probably the biggest performer in American history. I mean, you could say maybe Michael Jackson, maybe Frank Sinatra, but really the biggest performer, not band, not band made up of a bunch of British people, because then we could have a different discussion, but American, Elvis, Elvis was so big. Elvis was so big. He was so big that he made the name Elvis something that can now only be associated with him and him only. I know there have been other Elvises, Costello, Gerbach, but really you can't name your kid Elvis anymore. Same way you can't name your kid Adolf. Even if you're like, but we love the name Adolf. We just love the sound of it. You can't name your kid Adolf without someone thinking of Hitler. And you can't name your kid Elvis. Even if you're like, I love the name Elvis. You can't. You just can't. Or else people will think of one person and one person only. Now that's fame. Now that's the way to define fame. The movie was fine. You know, it's like very watchable. It wasn't memorable. It wasn't like one of the great biopics ever. The lead actor, I have no clue who the guy was, but he was really good. It wasn't quite like Joaquin Phoenix doing Johnny Cash or Jamie Foxx doing Ray Charles or Val Kilmer doing Jim Morrison, but this was fine. The lead actor was actually pretty damn great because I read that he was singing those songs. Sounds exactly like Elvis, but there was something that happened for the first time, and that is Tom Hanks wasn't good. Tom Hanks was annoying. Tom Hanks was actually terrible, which happens. He's the greatest actor of all time, right? Tom Hanks, at least in my lifetime, that's the greatest actor of all time. But just like any job, even actors, sometimes you screw it up in every single job. There's good doctors who might have a bad day and then goodbye, grandma. There's good pilots who might have a bad day. That's morbid. There's good teachers who might have a bad day and there's good actors who might have a bad, what accent was that? Have you seen Elvis? Tom Hanks was just as annoying as it gets. And I went to YouTube to look up the real Colonel Parker, the guy that helped promote Elvis. Elvis's manager. Didn't sound like that. Tom Hanks, the whole movie is just doing a voice. It's like this. Tom Hanks is doing an accent. I'm like, I paused it. I looked at my wife. I said, can we do this? Can we do this? And my wife was cringing too. She's like, I don't know if we could do this. The Tom Hanks choice. What informed your choice, Tom? Maybe he's like, I kind of wanted to fuck things up. You know, I've just been doing perfect work my entire career. kind of wanted the Elvis movie to be the moment where people go, ooh. Yeah, Tom, that's not good. That accent was tough to get used to for a nine-hour movie. And he narrates this bad boy. And this is a new age movie about an old performer. Elvis is a story of the 50s, 60s, into the 70s, but the style of editing is for people today with short attention spans. Oh, my God. This was just quick scene, quick cuts, endless soundtrack and score, even hip-hop music, scenes that don't breathe. It was presented in such a modern way because like, they're just worried people are going to grab the remote. That's how filmmakers are now doing movies. They can't have a seven-minute dialogue. Seven-minute dialogue? No scene will breathe. Every single scene in this Elvis movie is probably 15 to 34 seconds. And that's how Elvis's mom dies. That's how Elvis goes on tour. And that's how Elvis meets his manager. And then soundtrack, raise the volume, hit the score. Elvis is driving, meets Priscilla. And then every scene is so quick. It actually is exhausting for the eyes. But I get it. It captures your attention so quickly. 
like that show Bear on Hulu, the frenetic pace of Bear. Pop, 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 pop. That you're just like getting punched by your entertainment. You're like, I, I, I can't grab the remote. I need to stay with this. It's just a lot for your nervous system and you can't move anywhere. That was Elvis. Now, there's a bigger takeaway if you've seen Elvis, if you know the king. And that is I finally understand Eminem's lyric in my favorite Eminem song, Without Me. I'm going to recite this, okay? I googled it. Eminem lyric about Elvis Presley. And I didn't even understand it. We all memorized Eminem's lyrics, but what did he mean when he said, quote, and I quote, though I'm not the first king of controversy, I am the worst thing since Elvis Presley to do black music so selfishly and use it to get myself wealthy. Hey, there's a concept that works. 20 million other white rappers emerge, but no matter how many fish in the sea, it'll be so empty without me. It's a good song. To do black music so selfishly. Yeah, I guess so. Elvis was totally inspired by black music, black musicians, black singers, black church. Loved it. He genuinely loved it. But this was a time where black performers weren't just getting signed to tons of record deals and going on tour city to city. They even mentioned that in the first part of the movie. When they're listening to Elvis and they think he's black. He just sounds black on one of his demos. And they're like, no, this guy's white. And they're like, oh, then that'll work. That'll work. But yeah, he bites their style quite a bit. And if you're into history, this is actually a solid movie to teach segregation. You know, Elvis would perform a concert, shake his hips. And the adults in the community would say, that's the devil shaking his hips. Our kids can't be watching this pornographic approach to music. Nowadays, it's so mild and meek, but back then, Elvis shaking his hips was causing people to scream, convulse, faint, fall. Ah, too much. Ah, it's a great part of the movie, seeing these girls just react to Elvis. Ah, they just scream. Oh, no. What is this? Their glasses break. Going city to city to city to city where there's clan meetings a couple miles away from his concerts. Yeah, the ugliness of racism in the South is part of this movie. The ugliness of greedy management is part of this movie. The ugliness of prescription drugs is in this movie. But one thing that remains undeniable is he's likable. There aren't really a lot of scenes, and I don't know what's true and what's not, but there's not a lot of scenes where he's like smoking cigarettes, drinking, and just destroying himself. It's just like at the end, he was exhausted and probably pumping a bunch of painkillers to the point where his body just couldn't handle it anymore, gained a ton of weight, kept performing, kept pushing himself to the limit because that's all he loved. Just... His own shows, that's all he loved. Did he love his family? Maybe, but he loved his own career more than anything, and he just couldn't stop performing, and the gigs never stopped, and the travel never stopped, and he had a manager who was so shady and corrupt that he just kept him cooped up in a Vegas hotel, performing and performing and performing until the guy just fell flat and died. But at no point in this movie do you go, oh, fucking Elvis, like, what a bad dude. There's not really a, oh, he was a bad dude. I was waiting for it. He was a good guy. It was American history. I know it's music history, but this movie was like American history. I feel like I've been talking about Elvis more than I've ever talked about Elvis in my whole life. Will I start listening to his music? No. But I appreciate it. The guy did a ton of karate on stage. He didn't even know he was doing a ton of karate. But my boy Jason knows what I'm talking about. He's called in a trap. Side chop. Sidekick. Can't walk out. Roundhouse kick. 
punch to the sky just for no reason. Elvis is fighting some imaginary character on stage. Wardrobe? Who? Where'd this come from? I don't know. Maybe that's also stealing from the black community. But I do want to be Elvis for Halloween now. Because that man was sexy. Way sexier than the guy that played him in the movie. Plus, the woman that they cast is Priscilla. Not even close. It didn't look like Priscilla at all. And there it is, folks. Your official spoiler alert. Priscilla didn't look like Priscilla. We'll be back after this. And we're clear. Hey, can I get the read on Panda Express? Can I get the read? Yeah, just put the script up. Okay. Hey, this is Josh Rosenberg. Right now, and right now only, head into Panda Express if you want to have diarrhea on a plate. As bad as anything is in the history of food. And for some reason, there's a line out the door. Go ahead. Go in and tell them Josh sent you. This is the absolute truth. I had never been to a Panda Express in my life. But it happened. I lost my Panda virginity this past weekend. My mom said, hey, I'll come take the family out for lunch at Panera. Panera, your classic B+. Everyone gets excited for Panera and you leave and you just go, that was okay. That was good. Yeah, that was good. No one's ever like, oh, Panera, the best. It's just very good. I think we can all agree. So we go to Panera and right there on the window, it says Panera now closed on Saturdays and Sundays. Like that's a slogan. Like that's a promotion. Panera slowly dying, going out of business. Who's not open on Saturday and Sunday if you're near a mall and you sell food? So we looked across the way at the Northgate Mall and went, well, there's like 30 people going to Panda. Maybe it's good. And we stood in that line for about three hours just watching these workers sweat tray of chicken replace the tray of beef replace the chow mein replace the rice people are coming out of nowhere for panda express have you been and if you're listening right now i would genuinely be stunned if you enjoyed the taste of anything i got it all the mushroom chicken the spicy beef the chow mein i got it i got it it's the worst food i've ever had in my life If you're in the mood for Chinese food, why wouldn't you just go to a Chinese restaurant? I don't care where you are, even in an airport, go elsewhere. Why would anyone, why was it packed? I don't get it. That walnut shrimp, that waxy walnut shrimp, I peeled the waxy coat off. There was nothing in there. They call it shrimp. It's just hollow. The beef, the beef is so fatty and chewy. Those balls of stringy fat, fat that you can't swallow. So you take it out and you hide it in a napkin under a plate, hoping that no one sees, but everyone sees because everyone's doing the same thing. Everyone's taking balls of fat out of their mouth, the stringy balls of fat from the beef and just put it in a napkin and put it under a plate and everyone's trying to hide it, but you can't hide it because everyone's doing the same damn thing. And the chow mein, how do you fuck up chow mein like this? How do you mess up chow mein? The noodles, the consistency of the noodles is the consistency it shouldn't be. They're like waxy, hard, They try to be soft, but they're hard at the wrong point. They're like hard at the ends. My poor mom. How often do we go out to lunch? How often does anyone go out to lunch? Honestly, I'm asking you that question. For you right now, say it out loud. Six to eight times per year, right? Most of us aren't going out to lunch. You're just bringing the same stuff reheated from the night before. Or you're making a sandwich, or you're making a salad, or you bought something at the grocery store. When you go out to lunch, it should be special. It should be like Panera B plus special, but Panda, oh, I couldn't hold it in too. I know we're supposed to go, hey mom, thanks. Thanks for taking us out. This is really nice. It wasn't. I just started ripping it. And that was my comfort zone. And I said to my mom, sorry, I'm sorry. And she's like, I don't think you're sorry. I think you're enjoying the amount of criticism you're throwing into this Panda rant. And she was right. I was having fun. 
There's only two fun things in the world of food. And that is either going overboard with the most delightful, magnificent tastes and describing the foodie aspect of how perfect it was. And then just ripping someone apart. So I understand Yelp a little better now. These people that go on Yelp and they're like, oh, if only I could put zero stars. You know that Yelp review we've all read? If only I could put zero. Oh, you, sir. Yelp. Your name is Daniel the Great. My 900th Yelp review of the week. If only I could put zero. Oh, fuck. My fortune cookie at Panda Express had back-to-back double-sided numbers. No message. There was no fortune. And who likes fortune cookies? No one, right? No one. That's not a dessert, right? No one would say, you know, I'm in the mood for fortune cookies tonight. You know what sounds good? Fortune cookies. This is a hacky bit. Should I continue? Nah. Abort. Go somewhere else. You know, the OJ trial lasted over a year. Here's how little I knew about the judicial system. I remember this vividly. I'm reading Klosterman's book about the 90s still, and he's talking about the OJ trial. And he said the OJ trial actually took like 16 months. From when he got arrested in June, there wasn't a verdict for 16 months. We, the jury, find Orenthal, James Simpson, not guilty. That not guilty verdict was October of 95, I think, or 96. I don't know. But... The point is, I tuned in on the first day of the trial. I remember this. I was at a buddy's house. And my friend was like, you want to go swimming? You want to go play baseball? Go play catch? And I was like, no, I think we should be in near a TV today. It was like summer. It's probably like the preliminary, the pre-trial, just swearing people in. And I thought, just like the world of Judge Judy or Judge Joe Brown, I actually thought that the first day of the trial, we'd get the verdict. I didn't understand how courts worked. No clue. But America remained captivated for that long. That's how big the OJ trial was. America never lost interest for 16 months. Is there anything that could capture our interest nowadays? We are the short attention span generation. I don't think there's any story where if it was just on our televisions, a court story, no matter how big the celebrity, could keep our attention at that level. Every single week, people were discussing it. In the mid-90s. It was so big. Our newspapers could barely keep Russia-Ukraine on the front page. There are people that were really dialed in to Russia's invasion of the Ukraine. Those people today, a lot of them are like, wait, what's going on? Is the war still going? How's Ukraine doing? Like These are people that just aren't fed it. They're not force-fed it. Maybe there's too many options. Maybe it's short attention span. But America in the mid-90s was able to go 16 months with one topic. And we knew all the characters. And then what did we do? We kept watching the documentaries afterwards. We kept watching the FX show, The People vs. O.J. Simpson. We could all name the lawyers. That's how obsessed we are. Do you remember this? We were collectively obsessed. This country. How gross are we? Edo. Kardashian, Marsha Clark, Darden, Cochran. We know all the characters from Cato Kalin to Mark Furman. It unfolded so slowly and so dramatically. And although it was so ugly, it was still dividing our country. Our country was being divided by that. And we were always divided. Is that weird to think about? America's only been divided. This was never the United States. If you go back to the early colonies to right now, 
late September 2022. We've only been divided. There was never a moment where this country was ever on the same page. Not one moment in the history of the country. So everything you see, all the toxic fighting and the hate speech on message boards every day, the hate speech in person, every news story you probably ever read, that's exactly, that's exactly what we can expect. There's no magic wand. I guess you just got to find solace. Solace or solace? And what does that even mean? I don't know. But find it within your own bubble. Hope your bubble's nice. And before I say goodbye, I do want to say Happy Jewish New Year. I'm going to Google what year it is because I actually don't know. Googling right now. Jewish New Year? Question mark. And it is 5783. So happy 5783, everybody. Pop the bubbly. Dip the apples in the honey. Blow that show far as hard as you can. 5783. But all these Jews on December 31st, when it hits midnight, will also be celebrating when 2022 becomes 2023. So we get two. We get two New Year's. Don't be jealous. We have to have two New Year's. Can't just say, nah, for me it's 57. I'm still writing 5783 on my checks. For me, nah, I, what is it, 2022? I, I, that doesn't work for me. I don't, I don't do that year. We all do the year. Louis C.K. had one of the best bits about how dominant Christianity has been, where we all just go, it's 2022. No, it's not. Of course it's not. What year is it? Isn't Earth over 4 billion years old? Aren't we carbon dating with ions, folks? Aren't we looking things up in a science article and saying, yeah, the Earth's about 4.5 billion years old, and we know that because I guess smart scientists have figured it out. And we still say, it's the year 2022. We do the dumbest shit, don't we, humans? We all collectively just say, yeah, it's 2022. It's 2022. No, it's definitely not, but we'll play the game. Definitely not. Is it 57? No, it's not. I'm going to go Earth years. 4.5 billion. It's September 30th, 4.5 billion. Or September, what's the date? I'm not good with the dates later in the month. I'm good early in the month, but now I'm like, it's just September 27, 8, 9? Are we at September 3rd? I know Saturday's October 1st. I know that much. You know what else I know? Paul Simon's drummer is the best of all time. You don't believe me? You want to have a music debate right now? Paul Simon's drummer from the album Still Crazy After All These Years, his best, is the greatest ever. If you're a drummer, I'm challenging you right now. I'm talking to you, John Bush, Micah Julius. I'm talking to you through a podcast. I challenge you to play this riff from the song 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. And by the way, if you were Paul's girlfriend at this time when he's writing that song, yeah, it's a bad sign. Paul, what you doing? Oh, nothing. Just penning a little tune. Just listen to the complexity of this. Please just enjoy this. Sit back right now. Close your eyes. Even if you're driving, just close your eyes. Enjoy the collision. Listen to the skill behind the riff on the kit.
the problem is all inside your head, she said to me. Uncle Monty, I'm talking to you as well. Where are my drummers at? That's a challenge. I'll pay you 20 bucks. I'll Venmo you. When you send me either a clip of you playing that song, I'll Venmo you 20 bucks. If you could get that riff proper. It's the greatest. And I'm not even Googling who it is. Who's that drummer? I don't know. But still crazy after all these years. Would be a better name for this podcast, but it's called Here We Go with Josh Rosenberg. That's episode 195. God, I love you for sitting through this one. We made it. We made it to the finish line. Leave a nice rating or review on iTunes and have yourself a wonderful finish to the month of September. Much love, folks. This episode's in the books. I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 